0: So let me get everything started here. <clears throat> because Ecclesiastes is one of those ones that you may not have read it, or if you read it, you're very perplexed by it. It sounds very, um, maybe down, and you're very, pe- maybe pessimistic. If you look at it and saying, well, this guy must not like life very much, or he's looking at things the wrong way. And, and that can be taken in a certain way, and that's why we're doing chapter 1, and then we're also doing chapter 12 to look at, because... Chapter 12 is the key to the whole book, right? It's the whole book, the whole fear of the Lord, verse 13, is the entire key. So what we're, whatever we're doing in our lives should be couched in having fear for the Lord, having that respect, having that love for the Lord. And so as 2020 winds down, right, many of us are looking forward to 2021, hopefully just to get out of 2020 at least. Right? But we're also looking forward to with cautious optimism. Things are kicking up. We don't know what's going to happen. And a lot of times we make either New Year's resolutions or maybe goals at least to say, I want to get this done this year. And so whatever you want to accomplish, there's nothing wrong with those things. We should always be making goals for the year. We, we have goals for the church. We have goals for our lives. And these can be anything really, and it's fine. But we need to make sure that what we do and how we live glorifies God. Right? Those goals should really be looking to further the gospel message in some form or fashion a lot of times. And this isn't about being perfect, right? This isn't about as we glorify God and we live to glorify him and, and worship him and magnify him. This is not about being perfect in our lives, but it's about having a life that demonstrates to others how God has worked in your life and how he's still working in your life to mold you and shape you in the image of Christ. Right. That is what the things we do should should look at. That should be doing. So, so where do we turn though? Where do we, who do we ask for this advice? And so Ecclesiastes is one of these books because the whole God, the whole counsel of God, God's word, the Bible. That's where we turn to, and one of the best places in the Bible is the books of wisdom, and that's what the Ecclesiastes is, is part of. It's part of the books of wisdom. So Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Job. Those are all things that deal with being wise, the advice from the, the elders, the older people, you know, the the hard fought, hard won uh, experience versus just book knowledge. So they put the book knowledge down so we don't have to experience the same things maybe that some of the, you know, these guys went through, the same thing we do with our kids. Right? We tell them, don't do such and such, don't do certain things. Why? Because we've been there. I'm telling you, I'm warning you, <laughs> Don't touch the hot stove because you'll get burned because I know because I did it when I was your age. Right. So we're trying to avoid, have them avoid the pain that we go through or we went through for certain things. So, again, this is in the written, it's in the the genre of wisdom. So some of the Proverbs, if you kind of look at it, there's some of the Proverbs sound the same because he does reference some of the Proverbs in here. And so you may be familiar with the song, Turn, Turn, Turn by the Birds, which actually quotes the first eight verses of chapter three. You know, so that's actually, they, they, they pulled that from Ecclesiastes. And we're going to talk about that in the, in the second point of the sermon. But, so that may be where you have heard some of this at least in your lifetime, because I think probably mo- most people have probably heard that song at least once or twice. And so for the background... It's, it's thought that, that Solomon wrote this, right? the conservative scholars think that Solomon wrote this, or it may have been somebody who wrote it after the exile, using Solomon's name and perhaps some other writings maybe to capture what he had already said or the life's peculiarities and what they think about God's role in our lives. So when we come back around and do the longer study of Ecclesiastes, we'll get into all of that. We do we do, do part of that as far as who wrote what and who didn't write it. Um, But the author calls himself the teacher or the preacher, right? And so like, says the words of the preacher in verse 1. And so that's what he's doing here. He's teaching or preaching the words of the knowledge. He's writing down his knowledge that he had and all of his experiences before it's too late. And again, to perhaps spare some people from the mistakes that that were made or the things that he's seen from his kingly vantage point if Solomon did indeed write this. And so the overall theme, we're going to read it here in a few minutes, but the overall theme is that everything in life is vanity or vapor. That's really what the Hebrew word means, it's vapor. And without the key to understanding that God controls it controls it all. So life can disappear like steam from a tea, a tea kettle. Right, that, that's how quickly things can disappear. So we're going to go ahead and read verses 1 through 6. It's from chapter 1, and then we'll read... Then we're going to jump over to chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. So the last two verses in the book. So I have them on the screen there too. So the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil in which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Verse 5, the sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north, around and around goes the wind. On its circuits, the wind returns. We're going to jump over to chapter 12, verse 13 and 14. The end of the matter, right, so he's wrapping it up. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Amen. Right? So that's, that's the setup for, for what are we doing in our lives this year. So right, if you're looking at your, if you're looking at your uh, outline, well, first let me give you the main point. So here's the main point. As you make your 2021 plans, keep your eye on God to make sure your plans are not in vain. Right? And there should be a slide for that if you're taking notes, as you're making your plans, make sure you're making them with God's approval, essentially. And the way we do that is the three, things, the three points on the bulletin. We need to work for the Lord, we need to wait for the Lord, and we need to fear the Lord. Right? If we do those things, if we build our goals or our whatever you want to call them, if we're living our lives this way, we are going to be much better off. And so the first part, chapters 1 and 2 of the Ecclesiastes, right? We are meant to work. God made us to work. When he created Adam and Eve, they were there to tend the garden. That was their job. That was why the part of the reason they were created. They were the caretakers. The curse in chapter 3, God made work hard. Right? He said, you're going to have to work by the sweat of your brow. These things, you're going to earn them. So all of a sudden, it sounds like the first couple of chapters, however long that was in Genesis... You went to work, you were happy, you loved your job, everything was great, you're getting paid, everything's easy, there's no real thing as hard work. Even though you probably, it was, he didn't realize it. Sin enters the world, all of a sudden, guess what? The thing you have to do, the one thing you really have to do is work, is now going to be unenjoyable for the most part. Because we all have to work, right? We have to do this. Because we need to work to earn money, or to, to buy goods, or we need to make goods at least to trade for other things that we need, right? Depending on, you know, depending on your culture, depending on things that society has gone through, you may be a craftsman so you can make furniture, but guess what? I can't eat furniture, but I can make furniture for you to pay me so I can have money to go pay the farmer to buy vegetables or meat or whatever, right? So it's a big cycle. Life can be, like the preacher says, though, this, it's just secular, Right, The sun rises and sets, the earth rotates, and so do our lives. Right? As the world turns, Right, remember the, the 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 soap opera. As the world turns, so do our lives. That's, that's what it is. The world is going around and we are working, we are doing these things every day, every morning. Time to make the donuts, right? The Dunkin' Donuts commercial from the 80s. To get up super early, go make the donuts, got to come back, go to sleep. And so it's just a cycle. And so in chapter 2, though, verse 4, the teacher points out that he has made great works, right? He built houses. He, he built great houses. He planted vineyards by himself, he even says. So all of these things, he has it. But in verse 10, he says that he kept no pleasure from his heart. For my heart found pleasure in my toil. So he was happy building things. And we, and you know, we all have the jobs. Hopefully we fall into a job or a hobby or something that we enjoy that makes us, like, it, it doesn't seem like work. Right? It doesn't matter Whatever it is for you guys, for, for all of us, it doesn't matter what it is. So our hearts are happy. But in verse eleven, it changes. He said, "Then I considered all the energy my work took, and behold, it is all vanity. Right? It's it's for nothing. I built all these houses, I bought all these towns, I had the vineyards out here, and he's like, you know what? It doesn't really mean anything. Why? Because the wind and the rain destroys the buildings." The cold weather kills the grapes, right? They kill the grapes on the vines. And so it's easy, though, if you fall into this trap like, what am I doing? I'm well just hang around my living room and do nothing. I'll just hang around and wait. Because he's the king, he can do that anyway. The rest of us quit to work either way. But it's easy to hate life. It's easy to see all the bad things that happened, that your house got destroyed, your vineyards died, whatever happened. Like, man, this is the worst thing ever. Right? 2020 is terrible. It's easy to just get into that, mi- that mindset. But then the teacher comes to the conclusion at the end of chapter 2, verse 26. He says, For the one who pleases him, he's referencing God, for the one who pleases God, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy, but to sinners he has given the business of gathering and collecting only to give to the one who pleases God. Now, I don't know if this is eschatological or not, but at the end times, when the kingdom comes down on earth, a new kingdom, all the other people are going to be serving the Lord and those people who are in the kingdom. So I'm not sure if this kind of references that. I didn't dig into that part for this one, this one too much. But there's a whole lot of stuff that Ecclesiastes kind of, seems like it kind of makes its way into the Bible. Kind of like good wisdom, I guess, where you don't really realize it until you're reading it a lot and go, oh, wait, that, that was referenced over here, too. But God gives us wisdom, who has given us wisdom and knowledge and joy to those who love him. Those who are working for him, we like, yep, they destroyed the house. But you know what? God will make a way for me to build another one. I can replant the vineyards. I can redo whatever it is. It's not a big deal. But if this is all you have in your life, your vineyard being destroyed, that's your whole livelihood. That's, that's what you're thinking. That's it. What am I going to do? You start... Kind of being chicken little, the sky is falling, the world is over. And I saw i I'm not sure if you know the Babylon Bee. It's a set, satire page on the internet, and they had a they had a little story. It was a fake story, obviously, but it said the man, people are perplexed or confused because the Christian Christian man is not worried or scared of everything happening in the world, and they were mad. You know, the story was that he was like basically mad at him for being calm in this time of calamity, right? Because he was calm because he trusts God. He trusts God that whatever is going to happen is going to happen and he's got to handle. It. And whether we die, we go to heaven, we're, we're good. We know where we're going. So either way, to, to, to live is, you know, to die is gain, as Paul says. And so God loves to give. God loves to give us through our work. He he likes to reward us. He likes to do these things. So the goodness of God is reflected in the divine creation. And we saw that he created the the garden for Adam and Eve to do whatever they needed to do. And he only gave them one rule. God created a world full of pleasures and assessed it as good. And then when he created man, it was very good. And so God's delight in pleasure is evident in the joyous accounts given in the Bible in 1 Kings and Nehemiah, right? So he did not... Designed the world for us to be miserable. He doesn't want us to live here and be bored or sad or just forget about whatever. Just you know, just think about how terrible it is here. He wants us to enjoy everything that he created and properly enjoy. I want to say that. And so God's joy in providing food is particularly evident in Deuteronomy eight and in Psalm one hundred four. Right, he fed the people. He took care of the people. Through the Exodus, he loves taking care of his people. He took care of us through our sin all the way up to and including Jesus' death. Right? He wants to, uh, us to enjoy the world. And, and so God, even in Revelation 7, verses 16 and 17, that God desires to relieve the distress of the people. And so Revelation 7 says, They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will guide them to springs of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. He does not want you to be sad. He does not want you to live a life of misery, but he wants you to enjoy the pleasures that he has given you. Now, on the other hand, Jesus taught that the pleasures of life, as well as its worries and riches, could cause the seed of God's word to be choked, so the life bears no fruit, right? So if we are so focused on enjoying the pleasures that we forget who, the, who gave us the pleasures, who gave, made it possible, then we become, we worship the creature instead of the creator, right? And so it's important that we keep everything in perspective. That's why we're, right, we're making these plans. And whatever we do, we work heartily for the Lord, as Paul says in Colossians. And so we need to walk this middle ground, right? The narrow way not taking too much pleasure in things because then we can get into the sin and not think that everything's just terrible, that we never enjoy anything at all. Because really God has given us these things so we should appreciate them and be joyful for them. The trials and, as well as the, the gifts. And so when we enjoy working for God because the work we are doing is that he has trained us and he has prepared for us. He has prepared us for this job, whatever they are. And so while we do that, right, while we're walking this narrow way, we know there are going to be days where we have to wait through the bad times to get to the good times. And so we need to wait for the Lord. So this kind of falls into Ecclesiastes 3 through 9 a little bit. And so chapter 3, there are seasons in our lives that we all go through. Young adulthood, old age, death, life, love, hate, mourning, laughing, happiness, gladness, you know, sorrow. And so, as Ecclesiastes says, "A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to, to harvest, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up." There's the first couple of verses of chapter three. "The world is cyclical, everything happens for a reason. If you pay attention to the harvesting, the planting around here, you, you see the different vegetables and plants we have out here. You know during the larger part of the summer, or the spring, you have all the strawberries out here, but then they start planting something else later in the year. Same thing with everything else. You see the artichokes, different places, things like that, right? It's a season. Part of it is to replenish the earth because certain plants take certain nutrients from there, so they plant something else to put the nutrients back in. That's how the world works. It's the same thing. So while we would maybe always love to have strawberries all the time, you need to plant something else to help make sure the strawberries still grow next time you plant them. And God does the same thing. He puts certain things in your life because you need something else, some other nutrient essentially, to help you grow the other parts that you really like. Just like learning how to play guitar or do anything else, you've got to learn the basics. So you've probably got to spend a lot of time just playing some chords and some strings. You want to play Led Zeppelin, but most people probably can't. There's a few people that can. They can hear the song and da-na-na-na-na-na-na. Na, 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 yeah, they're on it. But most people, I have to learn how to play what G-string is or whatever this sounds like. And so that's what God is doing all the time. He's preparing us for this. And we have to wait. And, just, and we're impatient people. Why? Because we're finite. right? Age creeps up on us. One day you're 18. The next day you're 68. And all of a sudden, you have all this time in between. And you're like, what did I do? So we understand that as humans that we have this much life to live and I want to cram as much stuff as possible into this box so I don't have time to sit here and pluck the strings. I want to play the song. And we have to learn how to pluck the strings so we can play the song. So you've got to learn how to time everything right. right? When we're faced with death. We're faced to deal with our own mortality and the finiteness of our lives. We understand that. that's why so, pe- so many people I think are stressed with this COVID thing. The virus because we see people passing away all the time you hear the stats of t- one person every 10 minutes in LA County because we don't know if you're going to get it you don't know if it's going to kill you you don't know if you're going to pass it on to somebody else and kill them and so it scares people because death is scary because we don't know what happens at the other end or at least some people don't but this is just an extended season. This 2020 is just a year we have to live through just like every other year. And 2021 is going to have its own challenges, whether it's still COVID or anything else. We're still going to have other, whatever challenges for us personally, as a nation, as a church. We're going to have these things to deal with. But we just have to get through them. We have to wait on the Lord because He gets us through these things. Because God is driving or shaping our plans that it may take a little longer to get to the goal because He is moving all the pieces of the chessboard when he needs them. So you may want to go from point A to point B, well that's fine, but I need to get point D or F or G or Z in place so you can move to B. Because there's no point of you going to B if Z is not in place. So and we don't see those a lot of times. We don't we don't we're just we just see what's right in front of us and we want to go, go, go. And we don't like to wait. We see in chapter three, that also the other places through Ecclesiastes, one of the things that he kind of brings up is life is not fair, at least to our standards or wishes, right? Why why do the rich people prosper and the Christian dies young? Things like that. If you've seen the movie Greater, I watched it again last night. He's a football player, walk on 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 Arkansas. He's about a day away from signing the NFL. After he was a very long shot of even making the NFL, he was going to be a starter for the Colts. He dies in a in a car crash. Like the, literally the day before he was going to sign for the contract. He was 22 years old. Wow. And so the guy, if you watch the movie, there's a lot of Ecclesiastes in there because there's a guy who is sort of the cynic in the movie. He says, Pol Pot. So the guy from Cambodia, you know, he was a tyrant, a despot. He, he lived for 80 years or something like that. And, he, and the other guy lives for, you know, he was only on the earth for 22. But the things he did, he brought... Almost his entire football team Or at least half of his football team To Bible study Like every night Or whatever they had it He saved people they, they ended up Almost winning the national championship So right The things he did in 22 years Was way more Way uh, More God honoring Than anything A lot of people do In their whole 80 years of life So why did he leave? God, I think God was done with him probably And that's the way it works Whenever God's done with you That's your time Right, and so, but we think that may be unfair and so, but God is fair because everyone faces the same end as chapter 9 states chapter 9 verse 4 the teacher says but he who is joined with all the living has hope for a living dog is better than a dead lion because the premise is basically everybody dies right, we all know this everybody dies Paul talks about it in Romans but he says a living dog is better than a dead lion for the living know that they will die but the, be- the, but the dead know nothing And they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate and their envy have already perished, and forever they have no more share in all that is done under the sun. So how are you among the living? How do you know if you're among the living? Well, the key is in the New Testament. So again, Jesus is the key to unlocking the rest of the Old Testament. And so Jesus is this key, particularly in Paul's letters when he talks about to the Romans and the Ephesians. So it's Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. It says, Paul says, As you were dead in trespasses and and sins in which you walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we have once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of of the body and of the mind, And we're by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Verse 4 though, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, and our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. So we move from the land of the dead to the land of the living. So I had to, I, part of what I'm working on is, is figuring out how much Paul was really using Ecclesiastes about the living and the dead and how it translates to the understanding of what that means for Christ and having a full life and an eternal life in Christ. And so that kind of is the key to unlock what he's really meaning here. Because here he, this, the writer says, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. So... Back in this times when this was written, be, having a dog, being a dog, it was an insult. If I called somebody a dog, it's why when Jesus references, calls people dogs a couple times, it's not a nice thing. Like we keep dogs and their pets and they're nice and cute. They were dirty animals who just were, did whatever. They didn't like them. It wasn't a good thing. Lions were big and proud and nice, but here it was better to be a living dog than a dead lion. And so when we are talking about this right we are made alive in christ so now we understand what it is we're joined with the living and we have hope right so paul i think is linking this ecclesiastes to the, to what he's telling the people so when you're alive we have hope because we know and we're aware of what's going on the people who don't know christ they don't know where they're going and this is it so why does the evil prosper because this is all they get they're headed for a life of torment and punishment so whatever they can get on earth, this is pretty much it. So I think it's a way of God showing grace to them and saying, all right, here, you don't like me, you don't even acknowledge me or whatever, but you can have a nice car, and a nice house, and that's pretty much it because that's all you're getting. Because once you die, once you're gone, that's it. You get nothing. So it's not just a way to justify things, but I think it's the way we see God working His grace out, even if the people who don't believe Him. Right, The general grace that He gives to everybody. And likewise Paul tells the Romans that the wages of sin is death but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ, Christ Jesus our Lord. And then with, with this idea that we have eternal life we should be able to persevere and withstand whatever goes on in this life because we know where we're going when we die. We are aware that we're going to die. right? We sing I'll Fly Away. It's I think almost everybody's favorite song in here probably. That's a song about dying. But we sing it so joyfully and so happily. Because it's... We're just waiting. We're waiting for that day. Right? And so it's, it's important that we do this because we know where we're going. We can go be with the Father. And so... We do this. We, we have this afterlife. And so people who don't understand is because they have a... They lack a proper fear of the Lord in this life. And unfortunately, they're going to fully experience that wrath on what is known on the last day, right? The day of the Lord, that, that day. They are going to experience and truly understand what having a fear of the Lord is going to look like. That's why it says in a couple of places that people ran and hid in the rocks as much as they could because they were afraid of what was happening. So we need to have a fear of the Lord. So Ecclesiastes... Ecclesiastes twelve verse thirteen. Right at the end of the matter, all has been heard. He laid out his case. He said, "This is it. I'm summing it up. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man." So the teacher wraps up the whole book in this one phrase: "We are to keep the whole law." So what is the law? Is it all six hundred and thirteen rules? That we got to follow in the Old Testament with Leviticus? No. Jesus sums it up in two things. What what is the law? Love God, love your neighbor. That is the law. That is it. That is the law we have to do, to follow. So when you're making your plans for the year, do those plans that you're making or the goals you have, do they help you love God and they help you love your neighbor? And so the fear of the Lord is not to be be scared of God, so we cower in fear, and like, I hope he doesn't come around, or we don't want to get yelled at again. No, that is not what it is. It's respect. It's understanding who the Creator is, who the one who sent his Son down to die for us is actually, and be in awe and respect of the gift that he gave us. That's why the Christmas is so important. That's why Easter is so important, because we are fully witnessing and fully remembering God's power and God's work in our lives and the life of the world really so Proverbs 1.7 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge listen fools despise wisdom and instruction so you don't have to put your hands up but how many times and you look back in your lives have you been probably a fool because you despised wisdom and instruction I'll put my hand up because I have right we all have. And it's fine. We're, we're people. We learn. We don't want to do things ourselves, whatever. But we don't like to be called fools. I don't know anybody who likes to be called a fool, unless you're the court jester. That's about it. So this fear, though, this fear that we have lets people know that you are one of the smart people, or at least that you're not a fool. Right? It's not about being smarter than anybody else. But are going to say, look, I am smart enough to know what I don't know. Right, That's the biggest thing. If you know that, if you can realize what you don't know, you are probably well ahead of most everybody else. And guess what? I don't know how to save myself. I don't know how it works as far as Jesus' substitutionary death for my soul works. All I do know is that it works. I have faith. Right? And that's okay. The rest of it, he'll tell me when we get there, and I can ask him, I'm pretty sure he's going to have a whole bunch of classes, probably, hopefully. But I know that God has everything else taken care of. So whatever's written in this book, I should probably dig into it and learn things from it. Because I don't know everything. And I know that. None of us do. If you do, that's great. You should become a teacher. But where does our help come from? Where do we get this right? The Lord. I just said it. The Lord tells us. We have David and Solomon both saying they were the kings of Israel. They were the kings of the land. But they knew they were put there by God. They knew who put them in place. They didn't think they got there by themselves. They were fully aware that God had done all the work for them to put them in that seat. The Assyrians, on the other hand, when you you read it, they thought they took over the world, the known world at the time. They're like, look at us, we're so awesome, we own the world. And God said, no you don't, I used you to make my plans to teach the Israelites what to do and how to be. You got too big for your britches, so I am now going to spank you and put you down. And they, that, their empire got wiped out of the earth, basically. Because they thought they had done it. And so we need to make sure that we don't act like the Assyrians, but we are humble like David and Solomon for the most part, that we can understand that God is doing all these things. And so being wise keeps you from doing unwise actions and saying unwise words. So as James says, we need to be slow to speak and slow to anger. But right before that, James tells us to be quick to listen. Because one way we show love is by listening to others. So if we listen to God and we listen to others and we are demonstrating that what they say is important to us, so that, that they, the person who's doing the talking, is important to us. Because a lot of times I think we talk about praying and we think it's a conversation. It's a, it's a, it's, we're talking to God. Like, hey, God, can I get all these things? But none of us, or maybe not very many of us, stop to listen for God and what He's going to tell us. And when we do hear it, we may not like it. All right, I want you to go over here and do this thing. Well, I don't want to do that. That's not what I asked for. I wanted this thing. You want me to get that thing? No, yes, I want you over here. So we need to listen to God because that means we're, we, we love God. We're demonstrating to, to both party, God and other people, that we listen to them. And that helps us with that respect and that fear so as we're making our plans we need to listen to what God is telling us that he wants you to accomplish for his kingdom this year and so we all have to do that and we do that as a church we do that as as individuals and and even as your family there's different levels of what we're doing for God but as we make our plans for our personal lives this church we need to do these three things work for God wait for the Lord and fear the Lord. Right? <clears throat> because we have to wait on the Lord because we go through different seasons and times. We don't know what's in store for 2021. So we wait. When they put up a new building, if you watched it, oftentimes it seems like the longest process is them putting up the foundation. They've got to dig the pits or the holes, or whatever. They've got to lay the concrete, do all these things. It takes forever. You know, several months it seems like. And all of a sudden boom, the building's up. Like, oh, cool, Chick-fil-A's here. Yay. I waited seven months. They put. They did stuff in the parking lot for five of those, seemed like. Because that takes longer than what we want to wait for a lot of times. But we need to wait for it. We, we all go through things and we know that we are alive in Christ and God has prepared our new homes for us in heaven. So we just need to wait our turn for that. And lastly, we have to follow God's commandments of loving God and loving others. And this fear or this awe, this this awe for the majesty of God that we should have, hopefully, that we can't have, we develop it, is going to help us in the, stay in the middle of the path. Because He's the shining light that guides us. So what if 2021 falls apart or goes becomes 2020 part two? Like a bad sequel. All right, so we were watching a show last night um, about people standing up a gospel, they're building a gospel choir, so there are all these people inter- auditioning and singing songs and whatnot. So one of, the, one of the songs that one of the guys sung was called Stand. And so here's the verse. It says, What do you do when you've done all you can and it seems like it's never enough? And what do you say when your friends turn away and you're all alone? Tell me, what do you give when you've given your all and it seems like you can't make it through? Well, you just stand where there's nothing left to do. You just stand, watch the Lord see you through. Right? Yes, after all you've done, all you can, you just stand. So if you don't make any other plans this year, maybe you're not a planner, just make your plan to stand the Lord all year long. Just have Him plant yourself like... Like he put concrete blocks on your legs And you're just standing there with all the rain And the water hitting you But you can stand and and withstand all that Because God is the one directing the water God is the one Getting you through all these things So As we sing our last couple songs As we go out this year This is the end of the last week of the year And if you're making these plans Just think about how to do this In your life So I think Bob and I are going to switch (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.